podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Yeah, Quincy, returning from uh, your long, uh, arduous um, flu absence of a week. Everyone in my house got the flu at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, not you. And yet, not me. I think it's because I got um, basically parvo the week before. So, so and, and it's this like was around I, Christmas. I skipped it. I got I got parvo, then I got was getting over that. Everyone got the flu, and I just got a sinus infection, which I'm still a oh. little snuffly. So that's it. Right. So really, and this this being around Christmas, it's like somebody's about to learn the fucking true meaning of Christmas in this house. Literally, I don't know who canceled it is. Christmas. <laughs> Did not go see anybody. <laughs> fucking stayed oh. at home for two weeks. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, which is why when you were like, hey, um, I can't do the podcast this week because everybody in my house has the flu, and immediately in my mind I could just see, like, the montage of suffering you were oh, currently Oh, and by everybody, I mean literally our Christmas house guests also came to our home, we said, welcome, and then the next day, oh no, we have the flu, and now you do too. It's a, it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, it's the um, true gift. Uh, but listen, I've been reading Jennifer Wright's book, Get Well Soon, about uh, plagues throughout history. Right. And uh, it it's an excellent book. Everyone needs to go read it. Um, it's called Get Well Soon. Uh, and Jennifer Wright is so good about putting everything into perspective because mm-hmm. uh, flu sucks, but it ain't the bubonic plague. Um did you know plague doctors actually hit patients with sticks to keep them away? So, like, the Marty Skrull uh, wrestler gimmick isn't <laughs> too far away from actual plague doctor behavior. You just come in and you're sick and they just, like, break your fingers and sneer at you. No, what it is is they didn't want patients to get near them. So, like, right. if you're panicking, oh, my God, I'm sick, make me feel better, they'd, like, whop you back and say, like, <laughs> stay away. We're just here to watch you die. Holy fuck. So they're also, just if you with... you're, like, actual Jennifer Wright goes into her book about, like, if your babies got sick, you would put them in the street. And they would be knocking on the door and saying, let me back in the house. And you'd say, no, sorry, because there it was, you know the 1500s there was nothing to do so it's well, literally in, fa- in fairness there you was gotta a tragic go i you know you cannot stay in this house anymore you have the bubonic plague holy shit i mean in fairness apparently during that period there must have been like a like a tragic backstory shortness uh in the region and it was like all right we got to put all the babies in the street because they got the plague and we have to leave them to die in the street listen in only a couple of centuries later in france they just called it the bad year there was a year that's just, it's just the bad year. Everything bad happened. And people got a uh, mass hysteria dancing plague where they danced until their bones popped out of their feet. What? Yeah, this book is wild. You need to read it. It's really I good. am getting this book immediately. Also, that good French understatement, the yeah. bad year. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a famine and a war and... Uh, a different plague, and now we can't stop dancing. <laughs> and also, I'm dancing myself to death like a Hans Christian Andersen story. Yeah. Speaking of Hans Christian Andersen, let's talk about the motherfucking lure. Oh, that was a fucking great transition right there. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, so the lure, uh, it was inspired by The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian, Anders- uh, Christian Andersen, and... It is just so fucking good. I love this movie. Let's talk about so it. So it is Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid 
as a new wave goth horror musical. Yes. Which, oh, and it's you... Polish. Oh, also it's Polish. And if you had literally just asked me to describe my dream journal of things that I wanted to see, it would just be that thing you said where it's a new wave goth mermaid. Actually, and by mermaid, they're kind of more sirens. They're, they're sirens mixed with eel people. Right. And they, which is, so it's got the classic mermaid thing of like, if you um, cut the, t- if you cut the tail off or like, if you give, if you, if you beleg the mermaids, they lose their voice. Um, if you get them wet, uh, they grow back the fish fins. Yeah, except and... that like, so a big point of contention in the movie is they don't have, they have Barbie doll crotches. Uh, right, they're like Barbie Initially dolls. they come out of the lake and if they dry off, they grow uh, Barbie doll legs. And what's Basically. incredible also, they kind of don't have a butt crack in this form. They it's do like not. It is one an actual smooth molded smooth cheek. And the point of contention is you can fuck them if they're fish, but you can't fuck them if they're Barbie dolls. <laughs> right, that, class, that classic conundrum. And right, I, and the whole movie is the mermaids fall in love with humans, and the humans say, I love you, but I don't fish fuck love you. <laughs> <laughs> Which, first of all, cowards. You fucking cowards. <laughs> uh, well, You're... the one guy, spoiler alert, in the beginning of the movie is like, I'll fuck a fish. <laughs> yeah, like... I don't give a fuck. Well, Except they're because... also definitely, like, canonically 15-year-old mermaids. Like, right. Like, according to lore, are... a mermaid can come to the surface when they're 15, and, like, the month... So, this band, this family band, so the Partridge family of Poland is hanging out on the riverbank, and these mermaids mm-hmm. come up and say... Help us out. We promise we won't eat you. Which, as soon as that happened, I knew this was the movie for me. Right. Which, I, I, I want more songs, um, like, beautifully sung. Because it opens with uh, this uh, sort of, uh, this Mumford and or son. Uh, he's sitting up on the beach and strumming a guitar and singing a sad song. And these two mermaids pop out of the water and they harmonize beautifully. One with a low voice, one with a high voice. And they're singing about how we promise not to eat you. And the guy's like, sold! And he dies. Um, yes, yes. And, and, like, what's incredible also about this is that, like, with the mermaid thing, like, it, it's almost, um, the, the, like, religious sects who, um, if you're an adolescent or you're, like, a young adult, you know, you have to go out into the world for, like, however long and figure out if you want to leave the faith and go out and be in the world or you want to come back. And with the mermaids, like, it's almost like a coming-of-age thing for mermaids. Yeah, and it's also the dynamic of you have the quote-unquote good sister and the quote-unquote bad sister. You have right. Golden who says, fuck humans, let's just eat them and sing our songs. And you have Silver that says, I don't know, I kind of love this human boy. And Golden's like, you know, throughout the, the film, Golden's like, hey, don't go to this back alley surgeon and get human legs. Hey, you know, you're going to turn to sea foam. Hey, don't do this. Yeah. And like, uh, it's yet another uh, female-directed movie about relationships between female characters that mm-hmm. are that supersede all other relationships in the movie. And it's right, fucking and it's- great. 
It's amazing. And Silver, she's like, listen, man, I, I'm also down for eating Mumfords. They got New Wave up here. I don't know, man. Like, And man, do they have New Wave. What I want to know is, does Poland have as much New Wave per capita as this movie has led me to believe? Right. This is like, uh, because... Oh, like, and in punk. My... There's also a rival mermaid punk band. Fuck. Fuck the fuck, yes, there is. And the music, I mean, first of all, the music in Adler is so, so good. It fucking slaps. Yeah, and also the lyrics, it's actually shot where it's not a musical in the sense that, oh, these are some songs that kind of fit. It's Mm -hmm. actual storytelling like a Broadway show. The songs are storytelling devices. Right. Like, it's it's almost like if Glee were good. Yeah, if Glee mermaids. were good and about mermaids. <laughs> but also made by a fucking gloom cookie. Um, and it's amazing. So, like, I don't, so I don't know if we want to... the Joan and Vasquez <laughs> Glee <laughs> man-eating yeah. mermaid movie. Yeah, if Joan and Vasquez like, was like, yeah, I'm going to do mermaids and then... Well, and, and the thing is... See, no, I don't, that uh, does not do it justice because this director no. is so much more competent. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and we were talking um, shit about Repo the Genetic Opera before we started doing the podcast um, because one of my college roommates um, discovered Repo the Genetic Opera and she had, like, tragic taste in everything. And I had to listen to so much goddamn Repo back in the yeah. day. And, like, the, the music in this, it's like a goddamn grown-up made this movie. Yes, it is It is so uh, nuanced and well put together, and it's kind of like a meditation on um, what the, like, fashion and music industry does to young women, and... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm distracted because the plot keywords on IMDb are always... Who is the pervert that is filling out these plot keywords? Oh no, what's the metadata on this one? Uh, curly hair? Uh, stripping? Siren? Mermaid? Dancing? Female frontal nudity? It's always like some oh, Jesus. guy is like typing these out with his boner. Oh god, and it's also it's like how um, if you're a celebrity, you you know you've made it when you start you Google the start of your name and then you either find net worth or feet, <laughs> and it's just you know that like this is what the like this is what the mass unconscious looks like. Listen, as um, members of the media, can we agree that title direct title directed by female is a terrible tag, and we just need <sighs> to say women first of all because female makes you sound like a fucking ferengi as many people <laughs> yeah out. yeah a human female <laughs> directed um, by <laughs> directed by a human female also as though like i i don't know like as though directed by women it's sort of like how um shutter shout out to shutter hi guys thanks for sponsoring us um groups uh south korean hong kong japanese and chinese horror into a horror yeah yeah you As know though, those asian countries yeah it's, it's it's an asian horror movie and they all respond to exactly the same cultural anxieties for all of these countries um oh boy. so but anyway we're old old man so the club. But, is the music in um the lure better than the music in the rocky horror picture show Oh, buddy. See, here's... Now, I know it's um, the fashionable thing in the last few years to shit on Rocky Horror. I refuse to do it. I fucking love Rocky Horror, and I think the music is really good. Yeah, yeah. The music is really good, and that movie is also deeply influential. Oh, my God. I So many of the people I know, including me, 
kind of a big part of who we developed into as young adults was because of Rocky Horror, I think, early on. I mean, I saw it when I was six years old on mute on a TV at a oh buddy at a parent's friend's house, and then on the car ride home was like, "Hey, mom and dad, what was that thing?" And that kind of opened oh the gateway. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, yeah, which I'm, I'm sure there had to have been some parent back in the day who was like, how am I supposed to explain Dr. Frankenfurter to my children? <laughs> um, which, honestly, like, so she, like, the lure, though, I feel like the music in that, if we're comparing it to Rocky Horror, I feel like the music in the lure is just a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I hate to say that. I love Rocky so, Horror. I, so I think it's better. If we were going to put this on the list, does the legacy of Rocky Horror trump a um, really good musical like The Lure? Right, because also so many people, yeah, like I, I had never heard of The Lure before I watched it for this week. And I mean, not that, I mean, and obviously not that a thing being older and thus more famous and influential and big, like, not that that's an argument for a thing being better, but. I mean, we do factor in the cultural significance of a movie in our ranking. We, we factor in, like, how it's affected other movies, how it's affected the zeitgeist and the genre and all that stuff. Now, this might help uh, release some some uh, heat on this. Uh, mm -hmm. Tragedy Girls is right under Rocky Horror, and I think that might be a better uh, relationship that's being depicted. Mm-hmm. An example. Well, also because it's people who can talk about their feelings. <laughs> Yeah, because they're not like, I am a mermaid. I am also a mermaid. This is a metaphor for being a teenage girl. It's Tragedy Girls is literally, I'm a teenage girl. Me too. Let's kill people. Yeah, it's like just a dub of this movie where uh, uh, they both have the voice of Kelsey Grammer. And they're like, yes, as a as a mermaid, I don't know. That. Yeah, and, and they're all just constantly talking about their feelings. Um, so I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think uh, Tragedy Girls probably goes above that. So how much above that now that is a good question um now the mutilator has an original song fall break oh it certainly does which i don't know man i had that as my ringtone for about two months straight yeah so... but let me just throw this out there mm -hmm. um the music from this movie is really good and i definitely have the Bandcamp bookmarked and i'm regularly listening to the soundtrack oh yeah like and, and honestly and i think we're, we both are really into soundtracks generally as yes. as a huge thing with a movie that it can make or break a movie and i mean like if if um if this movie explored the same stuff and had the same scenes and stuff without that baller fucking soundtrack it would not be good it would not be good. I would probably be fond of it because I'm generally into sirens eating dudes, but ultimately, like, I, it would be forgettable without the music, and I think the music is so much of why this movie is good. So, then, I think it's definitely better than Cat in the Brain, which, I'm oh, sorry yeah. I'm laughing, it's just, <laughs> gotta <laughs> dunk on that every chance we get. Every time, um, fuck Cat in the Brain. Um, now, here's, alright, so my question gremlins to the new batch god damn it <laughs> is the is the bug fuckery of that beautiful cultural landmark uh does that trump an actually good film so i want to give the edge to the lure because name a good mermaid movie besides this one 
Splash with Tom Hanks. God damn it. Yeah, okay, I really so, like Splash. No, it's Splash and it's The Little Mermaid and The Lure and that's it. That's and there it. aren't any other mermaid horror movies that I think could go this high on the list. No, definitely not. And I think that does make it notable and make it like a big thing. Like this is making a name for mermaid horror. And I want to point out that's not for lack of trying because mm-hmm. there are tons of film there are tons of mermaid horror movies out there. They're just that not suck. competent. <laughs> Right. They they are they are not good. Yeah. Um so for that now here's the thing. I think for that I would put it above Maniac uh but below Black Christmas. Okay. Because, Why below Black Christmas? Um below Black Christmas because I think Black Christmas um holds a higher spot for me because I to me at least in my opinion it was the first modern slasher in the way that we think about slashers. Um, because you could look at stuff prior to that, like Peeping Tom or, you know, Psycho, obviously, and, like, and, and a lot of other stuff. But when you think of a slasher movie and the formula of the slasher, I think it was done first by Black Christmas, and that makes it notable. Now, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Generations from now, are we going to be able to say the lure is the first mermaid <laughs> musical? And that's why right. it's so good. Will this take age well? Um, that's a good point, though. I mean, this is also doing something new. Um, and well, doing uh, it really well. Oh, so well. So, so what do you what uh, what do you think between Black Christmas and the Lord? No, I think definitely between Black Christmas and Maniac. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> May God have mercy on our soul. When when the lure is held up as the first mermaid horror musical, we're all going to look like fools. <laughs> so number 51 on our list is The Lure. A very good showing. Man, That what, what a fucking great movie. Yeah. Now, the next movie on our list is another hodgepodge. We picked some weird movies this week that are not like one single thing. We're talking about The Suspicious Death of a Minor. Oh, um, boy. A.K.A. Too Young to Die. Now, this is a Blu-ray that our friends at Aero Video uh, sent us. Um, Thanks, guys. It's Yeah, thank you. It's it, No one talks about how great the sound on Blu-rays is, but really, this is like a really good audio transfer as well as a good video it. transfer. It, it yeah. makes me appreciate movies more. Now, if you don't want to shell out money for an obscure Italian giallo, uh, it's also on Amazon Prime, so you can check Mm -hmm. it out that way, too. Uh, So this movie is a um, giallo, a cop drama, a comedy. uh, It's everything. A cop, yeah, a copity, cop dramedy? Yeah. Um, Um, It's bananas. Yeah, it's so many things. That guy's glasses just break all the time. Constantly. That guy cannot hold on to a pair of fucking glasses. Um, at, one, at one point, there's a shootout scene on a roller coaster. There's a motherfucking uh, fight on a roof of a movie theater. And um, is this a thing? They switch a f- They flip a switch and the roof of the movie theater opens up. <laughs> Is that a thing, or is that just created no. for this movie? No, that's horseshit. That's no one has ever designed a theater to do that. And Nobody. everyone watching the movie is like, "Oh shit!" There's two guys fighting on the roof, <laughs> as constantly happens at the movies. Well, and it's a giallo film. But here's the thing: it is a giallo film to me for about two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, my wife was like, 
how is that a horror movie? And I was like, well, right. it's a Jalo. And she's like, what is that? And I was like, see these two scenes where a guy strangles a woman? That. Speaking of, uh, on IMDb, the plot keywords are prostitute, murder victim, dead woman, murdered prostitute, dead prostitute. What cellar dwellers? <laughs> what human pube is writing these? Who is out there? Is this the same guy who jumps onto the IMDb trivia page to be like to give hit like trivia that gets zero out of sixteen people found this interesting? Listen, <laughs> somebody is someone's like sole duty. It's like the guy that maintains. Or woman that maintains the Mace Windu page on Wikipedia. It's like someone <laughs> has found their calling, and that is to use their actual human penis to type out plot keyword tags on Pain- IMDb. Painstakingly and slowly, but they, listen, they're the consummate professional. They are using their wretched penis to type in that metadata. Um, and this movie, like, I mean, and, it, and it's funny because honestly, I feel like before we started doing this podcast, anytime that I talked to a friend um, who wasn't into horror and, you know, frequently a thing that they would bring up is like, I don't know, man, horror movies have some real problems with women, and I think a lot of them are misogynistic. And of course, because I love horror, I'm like, well, I mean, sure, that that can be a problem in horror. Um, and then partway through the murder scene in this where a woman gets her, her throat slit, immediately I'm like... Yeah, horror's got some fucking problems with women. And the detective in the dub calls it love juice. Oh my god. And yeah, like Giallo, it's like... Check inside of her for traces of love juice. (laughs) Honestly, when when your partner asked you, like, what's Giallo? I, in my head, immediately heard the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. Because it's like, how the fuck do you explain Giallo to somebody who has taste and hasn't seen... Like at least a few of uh, of like the giallo like genre, because it's like also the gro- conceit of the movie is literally minors being murdered, the suspicious yeah. death of a seventeen year old woman who is also naked. Yeah, the suspicious uh, murder of uh, naked underage women, and it's... yeah, too young to die is the other title <sighs> of the movie. Boy, howdy. I. And, the... and and here's the real sketchy thing. So it's the the. The familiar Jalo trope of some dude decides he's going to solve a crime that nobody else can solve. And right. the the clues are wild as shit and mm-hmm. don't add up. No, and, and all of the cops in this are basically fuckwits. Like, they just dude, sort that of... that detective is my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> the, the wacky rat race style chase scene where he's oh, just man. in the back seat holding down his chunder trying not to puke <laughs> while they're running over people and mm-hmm. making that one guy who crosses the street does like a break dance move to avoid getting hit by a Honestly, car. that was actually when I had to go back and rewind it because I couldn't stop screaming because this guy narrowly avoids getting hit by a car and he like spins on his head, lands in a bridge, like a perfect breakdance bridge gets up from it immediately face plants in a sign and falls down and then he's never spoken of again yeah um he's the real mvp i don't know man is is this movie good no no well okay the blu-ray is good yeah now it's not good in the way that we think of the word good but here's the thing uh i i props to it for trying to cram as many genres into this as possible because like again it's a horror movie in the in the regard 
that it's about a guy who murders underage women. Yes, but it's also um, a big... Is it a spoiler to say that's actually part of a larger bigger. sex ring plot? Well, and that goes back to a big thing in Giallo, and that's what makes it, makes it a Giallo to me, is that so many Giallo films um, revolve around the classic and true thing of rich people are into some weird shit. Yes, yes, that's definitely a thing is... Oh, and also, that motherfucker, the killer, gets his face boiled off with hot water and then shows up <laughs> shit, looking yes, like he, he had a chemical peel. Yep, that's that's what happened. Listen, in 1970s Italy, it was all asses and elbows. It was everybody getting faces melted off. Movie theater roofs opening up. It was just mass anarchy. So I was really excited about the soundtrack of this movie, but this Blu-ray comes with an audio commentary from uh, Troy Howarth, the author of So Deadly, So Perverse, 50 Years of Italian Giallo Films. Right. And it's really informative, but one of the big things that he points out is the reason the soundtrack is good is because the composer was copying Goblin. Yes. and Literally, Goblin... Argento came out with a movie the same year that the soundtrack copied. Right. Well, and and Goblin, my which by the way, side note here, my buddy Anna um, in Tennessee got to go see Goblin live in Nashville, um, like last month or a couple of months ago. Yeah, it I was am in still, like November. Yeah, I am still dying of jealousy. Um, but so many things like with Giallo. Now, here's the thing about the soundtracks in Giallo is that to me. So much of that is about sweetening the bitter, disgusting pill of a Giallo film. Yeah, because... I mean, they're, they're, this is a catchy tune to strangle a woman to. Yeah, this is murder disco. Like, this is, um, like, for example, like, the, the score for, um, for this movie made me think of the score for Four Flies on Grey Velvet, because groovy murder is happening in Italy. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't know. And the other thing is Sergio Martino directed this movie, and he directed other better Jalos. Also, he directed yeah. Hands of Steel. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Wow, I did not realize that. So what the fuck was happening here? I mean, it's a great score. I mean, you know, it's just lots of stuff. It's almost like throwing noodles at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, and the cover of the film that I think is also hilarious is the uh, bespectacled um, cop, like like rogue cop trying to investigate this thing. His head is enormous, it's floating, and he's staring at a dead miner. And it's literally just like the suspicious death of a miner. And then it's like they went to their concept artist and were like, Draw a miner Can you... <laughs> that dies suspiciously. I think the problem with this movie is it made me want to watch The Bird with the Crystal Plumage again. Oh, and a yeah. movie should not make you think of a better movie. That's exactly right. And it also kind of goes back to Giallo being like, and of course, Giallo stands for yellow, which means like sort of the, the shitty film. Like it, it refers to like pulp, basically. Yeah. Uh, and especially with Giallo, like so much of it is copy and paste in a way that like, for example, American slashers were in the early, early 1980s. Um I think of those as, like, I think of like uh, 80s slasher movies as, like, a direct spiritual descendant of Giallo films. Yes, definitely. And there are highlights. I really like the the moped guy, and I like the police officer. <laughs> Basically, I like everyone but the main characters of this movie, which is also yeah. a problem. I would agree. And, like, the main character in, in this movie, 
I resent that I'm forced to watch this guy do anything for an hour and a half. Right, and then, like, at the end of the movie, there's this weird, oh, did he sell out? And, like, he's switching sides. Oh, wait, that's a double cross. It doesn't, the plot is really inconsequential. Incidental. It's just set pieces for, like, here's the car chase, here's a gun battle, here's where he murders a man and lives in his apartment and drinks his cokes for a week here's you know right so the well and and and, well and and the unforgivable thing to me is that in a movie with again car chases and a roller coaster gun battle it was so fucking boring yeah like like so much of it and i didn't know if this was me being like an over caffeinated you know 2018 hindsight sort of you know there isn't any lens flare and nobody's exploding like it's just really, really boring, and I I like a lot of movies that are very slow and very thoughtful. And the problem is that this movie is slow, but it is not thoughtful. And and the thing is, it's not even slow because it's literally got car chases and gun battles and murder. But it's almost mm-hmm. like randomly it, the pacing is weird because yeah. you get a car chase and then nothing. Yeah, the pacing is it so bizarre in this. It doesn't build be- to a climax. It doesn't use standard three-act film structure. No, and and in fairness, a lot of Jalo films don't follow three-act structure in the regard that like there's the inciting incident, some wild bullshit happens, and then there's a climax. Um, but this movie and almost like, like climaxes an hour in and then just keeps going for thirty more minutes. Exactly right, and I kept spacing out while watching. I spaced out during the roller coaster gunfight. Yeah, so because what does that tell for you? Me, about? <laughs> right, like if the character work isn't there, I kind of don't care about what they're doing. Yeah, and that's the thing. There like, is no character work. The cop is supposed to be this super cool guy, and his only—it's literally his only character trait is he keeps breaking his glasses. Yeah, it's yeah. It's kind of like when I meet someone new and they say, "Have you ever seen the Big Bang Theory?" <laughs> and that's their entire personality. Yeah, and, or they're like, "I bet listen, you would really like that because the the subtext of that conversation is, "Wow, you look like a big fucking nerd." I bet you like that <laughs> show like about nerd. nerds. <laughs> hey, but you like that show about nerd nerd. <laughs> Um, and, and really, and trust me, as somebody who also constantly breaks my glasses, it's not enough. It's not enough as a personality or as a character. <laughs> Develop a real personality. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you could still constantly break your fucking glasses. You just got to have something interesting. So, um, uh, number 134 on our list is the Mario, Mario Bava's Jalo, the evil eye. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the evil eye is better than this because at least it's lurid. Yeah. And... A giallo movie. Now here's the. It's thing. also got Letitia a... Roman, and this doesn't have any like real draw, like no actresses. No. Which God, and that makes is, me like, sound giallo... like an IMDb uh, <laughs> tagger. <laughs> the way I'm like, like yeah, it doesn't have any. <laughs> well, it makes you sound like Jim Cornette, but like where it's like, ah, oh, it's not a draw. Um, but here's the thing, we're, I'm a ghoul. And if I'm watching a Giallo film, I'm in the mood for a certain kind of sleazy Philly cheesesteak of a movie. This is not that. It's not, it's like just not sleazy enough to not be a Giallo film, but too sleazy to be a cop drama. And it's not visually arresting. Like, that's a thing about no. Bava and Argento is they're not it's saying much, even. but it looks pretty. And this doesn't look that great. 
Yeah, it doesn't have a distinctive look. Where the evil eye, that is a look. Yeah, that is a that is a hell of a look. Now, Italian mm. movies under that, uh, Machiste in Hell. Oh, Machiste goes above this <laughs> because here's the thing: Machiste in Hell features Machiste constantly screaming and straining against items, and I could not stop laughing. Okay, and. <laughs> so that puts Which us in that the whole bunch of nothing part of the list. <laughs> Under that is Bird the at the Stake, abyss. The Village, and that Michael Jackson music video, Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Ghosts is more interesting because <laughs> it's connected to a larger context with Michael Jackson, and it's fascinating because you could tell that this is a rumination on how he thinks the world sees him. Okay, is this dicey enough to put under I Frankenstein? No, no, I Frankenstein. See, here's the thing. I was bored watching this. I wasn't sad to my fucking soul while watching this. I didn't feel like my heart was breaking while being bored by this film in a way that I did with I Frankenstein. So, so now I'm looking at um, Kyofu Dinsetsu Kaiki Frankenstein and Dracula Untold. Dracula Untold, I didn't actively hate, but I didn't like it. Uh, well, it was also racist. It's also racist. This movie's not racist. It's just pedophilic. It's it's pedophilic and and exploitative. But I mean, it doesn't and... say like does. Well, no, it does. Because I was gonna say it doesn't say get a look at these seventeen year old boobs. Except it totally does. The the camera does. It the male gaze in this movie is so oh. look at these seventeen year old bosoms. Right, which here's the thing. Giallo does that a lot, but it doesn't do it with fucking underage minors. Right, the premise of this movie is a IMDb metadata uh, guy's fantasy. Oh god, it's like if that guy... Yeah, it's like if the guy who does the metadata on IMDb horror films um, made a movie. <laughs> it, is, it is bad. And not only is it bad, it's boring... It like and again, there are things about it that I like, but there are things about the experience of getting killed by a bus that I would probably be kind of okay with because I'd never have to like pay taxes ever again. But that doesn't make the experience good. Okay, so where does the suspicious death of a minor go in relationship to the transfiguration? Oh, now I would put it honestly above the transfiguration. Really, because they're both. Um, uh, it, it, the, both of them are kind of like being forced to eat an entire loose leaf notebook, but this had that breakdancing move that I have been thinking about all day, and it, at the very least, we have to acknowledge it had a gunfight on a roller coaster. Yeah, I think that makes it better than anime Frankenstein, but not as good as Dracula Untold. Yeah, that checks out, actually. Right, so number 158 is The Suspicious Death of a Minor. Eee, which I'm you know I feel like that's about as kind as we can be toward that movie now let's be super nice to motherfucking seating of a ghost <laughs> oh now we're talking all right so seating of a ghost seating of a ghost is uh, a Shaw Brothers movie also known as uh, Shanggui I, I can't speak Chinese I apologize um, it is uh, nuts I, I was thinking about, does, is this movie spoilable? Can you spoil it, this movie? It is unspoilable. Because, alright, here's here's the thing. There, If you tried describing the plot to this film... It gets I weirder. Feel, 
yes that's no that's the plot it gets weirder like (laughs) okay all right so uh uh, seating of a ghost so uh the movie starts out it's this fella he's in a cab he's a cab driver uh and uh he gives a ride to this guy who's like hey man i'm into some pretty fucked up dark magic shit and that guy's like oh cool this won't come up like goodbye (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) his fare is you know i just robbed a grave and uh that's me here's my stop thanks (laughs) Hey, yeah, and, and so he he drives off, and then uh, so there's a lot of cheating in this movie. Yeah, so um, so cab driver's wife is a dealer at a casino, and she begins an affair with a high roller. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and and, and the shit eating grin on this guy's face while he's doing high roller shit, fucking choice. Yeah. So the wife meets high roller Anthony Fang, and he's this like fancy dude, and they start real an piece affair. of shit. Yeah, real fucking douchebag Anthony Fang. And um, then the movie is the most 80s softcore porn ever for like 20 oh minutes. God. It just goes on, the most it? fucking... It's just so much. To the point well, where... And, and here's... Um, Emily was just ribbing the fuck out of me for It's got two that. things that every 80s sex scene I think should have, which is shampoo commercial hair blowing in the middle of a room with all the windows closed. Yes. And saxophone. Yes, and also the uh, flexible shower head. Oh, yeah, that's important. And really, it wasn't quite like the room levels of please can this fucking sex scene end now, but it it goes on for a while. It is 10 years of sex scene. <laughs> then it and turns years of to sex. Hong Kong Vice. There's uh, this detectives in that fucking, <laughs> like, unbuttoned to their navel Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're talking, we're talking Hong Kong Vice. So here. Anthony like, guys... Fang and Irene, the um, cab driver's wife, are having one of their rendezvous, and Irene is like, "Anthony, we gotta come clean," and he's like, "Nah, I'm good." And they run into <laughs> some tufts, mm-hmm. and they like cut some tufts off, so the these hoodlums are like, "We'll kill you," and. Anthony's like, no thanks. Hey, Irene, here's your stop. I'm going to just drop you off and leave you alone in the middle of the Hong Kong streets at night. This is a cool thing to do, especially after having a run-in with those crummy JDs. Right, so so uh, Anthony drops off his mistress, and surprise, surprise, the tough guys come back and rape and murder her. Yeah, and that scene also goes on for way too fucking long. And at that point, and here's the thing, at this point we're clocking in at about half an hour into the movie... And I do not know what the plot is yet. At yeah, this point, it's just uh, Maria Joe who plays Irene's breasts. That's all it is. <laughs> yes, that's literally it. The part of and her breasts will be played. Shirts. And tattered shirts. And at this point, I was like annoyed because I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So, but so then... the cab driver gets a phone call from dispatch that says your wife asked you to pick her up at the mansion, but it's later revealed that that might be a ghost phone call. <laughs> And then he discovers that his wife has been murdered on the roof of this mansion uh, by two young street toughs. And then it turns into Hong Kong Vice with this, like, police procedural. Mm-hmm. And then there's a martial arts fight. Yeah, there's a... Which, I mean, Hong Kong horror, 
fucking rules because yes like there is just a huge elaborate fight scene and these actors are going fucking hell for breakfast like doing their own stuff with you know the stone cold uh the cold skull sonata aluminum bat oh yeah uh dude's cab driver's leg is permanently crippled because of this fight Right, and the th- and the thing about this is that so at this point you've got cab driver coming in with the Sonata style like aluminum bat, and I'm starting to get annoyed because I'm like, oh, okay, so this is basically going to be the crow where he's coming back to avenge his murdered like loved one. Uh, no, no, that is not where this movie goes, and I was so fucking pleased. So remember the weird guy at the beginning of the movie that says a fucks with black magic. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I fucks with black magic and it digs up the graves. <laughs> so he's back. They they exhume Irene from the dead, and she's already turned into a desiccated skeleton. Man, she dude, she decomposes with with a goddamn speed. Well, like, and another thing is when you fuck around with black magic, things get gross really quickly. That's an mm-hmm. actual thing that the wizard says is like, you know, when you fuck around with black magic, uh, things get gross. And my favorite <laughs> small detail is he actually becomes more and more deformed the more spells he casts. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's and the Chow, the the cab driver, also does, but he just looks like he's been like. He turns into, like, Shia LaBeouf dirty instead of being, like, actually physically deformed like the yeah. wizard does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not giving him prosthetics or fucking his face up. They're just making him look like he needs a shower. Yeah, but but meanwhile, this shirtless wizard starts growing, like, horns and his teeth get all long and, like, haggard looking. See, this is why he told the cab driver that he fucks with black magic, because he's been rehearsing this shit for weeks. He's like, I um, knew you'd come to this. <laughs> yeah, he was. So he's basically, been, the cab this. driver says, I want revenge on everyone. So the black magician says, we'll dig up your wife and we'll, uh, quote, seed the ghost, unquote, which is use your wife's ghost to get revenge on everybody. Mm-hmm. Which includes, like, uh, Lost Boys style shenanigans with the toughs and their i love that both of these tough guys live with their moms oh actually i the thing is i love and christina pointed this out when we were watching it that like um it's awesome that irene's revenge comes to these fucking street toughs via the women in their lives yes i didn't even think about that me neither um and which by the way is like wait two white guys doing a horror podcast we didn't think of this rich fascinating part of the of, of the the horror movie um which <laughs> you mean we also didn't consider that yeah, chinese culture uh you live with your parents live with you and that's a rich part of their heritage well we were busy screaming about the guy who fucks with black magic <laughs> so Dude, we were this, can i tell you my favorite thing about hong kong horror movies is anytime a uh Taoist uh, a Taoist priest fights a wizard which is a lot in these movies more than you would think <laughs> yeah the like something about tying a piece of paper with a spell to your sword and lighting it on fire to fight a demon is really right up my alley yeah and that dude was all about the fucking showmanship like he was <laughs> he was giving us the full fucking razzle dazzle with that flaming sword with the note on it and so, so we're getting ahead of ourselves so <laughs> sorry it's mostly just us get, going i fucking uh, love hong kong horror yeah the tufts get haunted so that like their noodles look like worms and they open an ashtray and irene's mag, head is Michael. in there and shenanigans meanwhile anthony's wife who poor 
Anthony's wife doesn't even get a name in the script. Nope. Uh, gets possessed by the ghost. So she, like, falls ill. And they call Taoist priests to exercise her. Like you do. Which escalates further with a full-on wizard battle with... My, my other favorite thing is the Taoists are actually saying prayers... And the black magic wizard is literally just saying gibberish because they do not translate it in the subtitles. Right, because who gives a shit? He's saying some fucking He's saying hamana 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 yo, you know, <laughs> I fuck with black magic yo. And right. he he sends fireballs across the city to, to blow up Taoist <laughs> priests. Yeah, so and like the best thing the is they literally hold up a mirror to send them back. Oh my god, I love honestly the internal uh, logic of this film and how prayer works and how magic works. Because honestly, if it worked that way, I might look into getting into a religion if you could actually throw <laughs> fireballs across a city at someone just by praying. So, like earlier than this, the um, the black magician says hey if you really want to fuck him up uh let this tough this reanimated corpse of the tough who raped your wife uh impregnate your wife's corpse and then the baby will haunt everybody see i and and, and ghost sex and susan honestly i was not wild on the fact that she had to touch this fucking guy in her afterlife or at any point after he did that like after he murdered her like it's I, but there's like this weird, honestly, the puppet work for her floating, desiccated corpse having sex with a ghost. Oh, and her weird cat eyes. Like, the puppet work in this movie is oh. beyond words. Oh, buddy. It's so good. Like, and generally, the effects in this movie are, I think, this is, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm losing my mind saying this. I think the puppet and, like, uh, practical effects in this are on par with. Um, the effects in the thing. Not in the way that they're shot, and not in the way that they're used, but really, really, really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. It, they're so good. So anyway, um, the Taoists exercise the demon out of Fang's wife, and then they say... The priest says, hey, if you want to send her to the doctor, that's not a terrible idea because she <laughs> was possessed. Just True. to make sure to reconcile, you know medicine and religion and all that then turns to find out she's pregnant and right. then the next scene which is implied to only be like days later she's like full-on nine months pregnant yeah, she is she is full to bursting and then what ensues at this point and now oh, all right what ensues is buckle your seats the <laughs> best uh cinematic sequence ever it's she it's, says my stomach hurts uh, she's got a house full of people over for board game night. They're all right. playing Mahjong, and they say, oh, hey, our friend uh, Dr. Wang is a... Um, apparently, uh, the guy that plays Dr. Wang is actually named Jung Wang, and it says he's a guest star, like he's a big deal actor. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, he was actually in, oh shit, he was in Corpse Mania. So, like, he's a big oh. uh, Chinese horror movie guy. So he so just anyway, popped in to say hi. Yeah, he, he just pops in to say hi. So they're like, oh, hey, we got a doctor here playing board games. Um, let's let him check you out. And they're like, do you think that it's time for the baby to come? And they're like, yeah, probably. So then 
Ryan, do you want to do the honors or? Oh, please. No, you're on a roll. Yeah, I feel like so, you're building to pointing out, like, like describing the scene that happens. At so the they movie. lay, um, so they lay Mrs. Fang in the bed and prep to deliver the baby. And she says, I don't feel good. And he goes to, like, you do the, put the, Dr. Uh, Wang does the, I'm going to put the back of my hand on your forehead to check your temperature. And yeah. her pregnant stomach explodes. It, and, and when you say explodes, like a hefty bag full of vegetable soup, it explodes. Like a seventh grade volcano in a science fair. <laughs> Mentos and Diet Coke. It's a thing of beauty. And it, it, it what comes out, like, and, and at this point you're thinking, okay, so if this were like a rape revenge movie, you would think like, oh, the two crummy JDs that, that killed her, she's gotten her revenge. And then it's like, you know, sort of like, these are tangential acquaintances. This is the wife of the man. The the te- the cab driver says, it's not enough to get the two guys that actually murdered my wife. It's also my wife's master, um, you know, cheater. And also, let's fuck over his wife. And let's also just kill everyone who's playing <laughs> board games. You Listen dare to me. play Mahjong with the family of my wife's murderer so you're all fucked now see here's the thing if you go to a grave robbing guy that fucks with black magic you need to be willing to knuckle the fuck down and stay the course and i also want to point out that the the magician literally says you know you're gonna lose everything (laughs) if you fuck with this but yeah. I'm happy to because that's my that's my, my whole time thing. To shine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I fucks with black magic for my looks and for for my my career? No, this, I do this because I love my work and because I yeah like it, it's it's so beyond okay the scene we need to go into it. So the her belly explodes and the I'm gonna call it a baby. It's very loosely. <laughs> This is, you have to see this to understand it. There's not you enough really photos do. online. There, Even the pictures are in, are unsubstantial to explain it. So, I, I've watched this multiple times today and still can't quite parse out what happens. So the belly explodes, the quote baby unquote latches on to Dr. Wang's face and starts ripping his face off. Yep. Dr. Wang's assistant some other lady in the house rips the baby off of the doctor's face which rips his face off yep and while it's in the corner it foams and pulses and grows into an alligator head i i would say a flapping toothed vagina dentata with a, a a ghoul head inside of it right like a... so so it's this mouth with teeth going everywhere and octopus tentacles and then the big reveal is that it's got the skinless which i read as the head of irene inside yeah, me too. of it yeah like this was her her ghoul like after death representation of her head yeah and the best part is oh, you're not going to bite me. The best part is, like, the mouth inside the mouth bites somebody. Yeah. there's It's like a combination, Yeah, and which, by the way, at this point, I need to do something very important to describe this scene. The aristocrats! (laughs) 
um, that's basically what happens at the end. No, but um, literally everyone in, and the thing that's really wild to me is the doctor continues to fight this monstrosity. He breaks a light bulb and shocks it to death, right. which blows the circuit breaker, and that's why the house starts to panic. They say, "Let's get out of here. The electricity's off." Yeah, like Not, it, let's get out of here. This indescribable thing just erupted <laughs> from a body. I mean, they're not unreasonable. You oh, know? and they, then they discover there's more than one of these things. Oh, because why wouldn't there be? And now we're describing the scene. You might think to yourselves, "I bet the effects for this are pretty cheesy." No, no, no. The entire no. movie was budget was spent on this sequence. And God bless them. It was like they spent the budget it's on like, actors that didn't mind throwing themselves neck first uh, over balconies and some really bitchin' special effects. And then um, Mr. Fang gets home to see his wife, who he thinks is having a baby. And you think, like, okay, he's going to be the hero and fight. And he says, Dr. Wang, hand me the gun, which is a literal double-barrel shotgun on the nightstand. Yeah, which is where you keep that. Yeah. (laughs) So you think, like, okay, he's going to save the day and defeat evil. They've done it once before. So he starts shooting these blorps of teeth (laughs) and awful. These glee blorps. Yeah, and they don't, nothing happens. Uh, then he runs away because he realizes it's not going to work and he slams the door and you have a wonderful moment where the creature kills him. Yep. Um, men in this movie are just fucking useless is the thing. And then the doctor, who's got a literal death mask, it's just raw, skinless face, picks up the shotgun and finishes the monster. He's the true MVP here. He's like the only redeemable character in this movie. He's He's a real trooper. He's missing his face and he gets the job done. Yeah, and that's the movie. (laughs) And here's the thing. Even us describing this thing like the aristocrats joke, I promise you that we have undersold it. Yeah, it's it's beyond my ability to tell you how good this movie is in yeah, an audio and, medium. You have to see it. And like you think to yourself, like Shaw Brothers Productions, it's like, because uh, I think the first Shaw Brothers movie we did for this podcast was The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. And wasn't it? Now... Which was a joint. It was it was a Hammer Shaw Brothers joint. And I don't know if this is even if Seven Golden Vampires is even close to how wild this movie is. It certainly is not. It had more fight scenes. Um, this holy shit. Like, and Seven Golden Vampires has the seven brothers and one sister, which is literally a kung fu movie. And this has wilder fight scenes in it. <laughs> seven brides for Seven Golden Vampires. Yeah, like it's ridiculous but he, i mean like even with, with shaw brothers i feel like we didn't get the full effect because it was like because it was a shaw brothers hammer horror uh joint production you didn't get the full effect of a shaw brothers movie and this one is like the one you show to people who might be coming to their first shaw brothers movie and see i don't really know about that because shaw brothers as a studio is better known for their wu-tang movies and like right. seven golden vampires is very much in that ilk just also dracula right and this movie is so wild it's it's incomparable to other movies yeah i i struggle to think of another movie i've seen that reminded me of seating of a ghost 
I was going to throw Zyrum out there just for creature design. Mm-hmm. But even then... It, it's, it's wilder than House, which is literally, let's take things that a little girl said are scary and throw them on the screen. Right, which works for House, but this movie is like, I mean, again... That th- which I w- was funny because ages ago I I was um, I think I tweeted something like you know are there any movies that have like a really garbage first and second act and a really fucking stellar third act? It's this movie. It's this movie. It's as though I knew that I was going to be watching Seating of a Ghost because any missteps the first and like halfway through the second act have to me were totally redeemed by the second half of this movie. So here's what I want to know: uh, Do you think that the third act is better because? the first act is so banal that's actually a really good question like if you're sitting in a waiting room for half an hour and then suddenly a clown bursts in with a with a wiffle ball bat and hits you in the face this is now more notable for the surrounding silence yeah so so is it better or is that actually like is that a feature or a flaw of this right movie? um because honestly when i put this on uh, I just skipped to the third act. Like, this is the kind of movie... It, it, just like every time I watch Terminator 2, mm-hmm. I just watch the last 20 minutes. Like, wow, you know, really? if I'm at home, that's all I do. Yeah, because that's the good part. That's the part oh. where they do like all the crazy fighting. No, the whole thing um, is the good or part. Like, <laughs> or my like... Or like, you know... It, it, it's all because of my growing up channel surfing and watching the last 20 minutes on whatever was on TNT or USA Network. But like, when I really want to watch a movie, I just go to that final reel and that's all I watch. You know, you've only, with with your one wild and precious life, that is a pretty good way to go about it, I think. So that you're not like, listen, if you're going to eat the whole loaf of life, you're you're skipping the end pieces. (laughs) You're just eating the bit in the middle and I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Um, Now here's, so if we're going with like gonzo movies that i feel like i haven't seen before necessarily i want to start with evil ed yeah yeah but evil ed is like saying something really valuable and vital it's like a political treatise above that we have audition which is another movie where the ending the third act is wild compared to the um first and the second right also, I'm gonna have to edit, also, I'm going like, to have to edit that out because I realized that actually, I think it was, wasn't it a Swiss movie, Evil Ed? It was uh, Swedish, I think. Swedish, there we go. Anyway. So, like, if you look up at the top, Phantasm is another movie that really clicks in that third act and how insane it is. Agree. That's actually a great uh, comparison. Um, and I feel like Phantasm, they both kind of have dream logic, but I feel like Phantasm's dream logic is i don't know it feels like different kinds of dream. It, it feels like two different people's dream logic if that makes sense yeah so so where does it go in relationship to audition and three extremes and female prisoner scorpion beast stable and all of these kind of like cult extreme asian horror movies well now here's the thing i do think for that we have to factor in the first and second acts because which are abhorrent they're butt they're complete uh like they're just garbage and i feel like you do have to factor that in if we were solely ranking the third act of seating of a ghost we would be in the teens probably yeah yeah Um, so so i feel like that puts it 
significantly lower. Like, mm-hmm. under the lure... Um, oh, definitely. Although, the question still remains, is it better than Cat in the Brain? <laughs> so, by the way, when we make t-shirts for this podcast, should we just have us giving the, uh, giving him a swirly... <laughs> and yelling shut up nerd effort like how much we just, just constantly fucking swirly yeah it's a huge full huge lucio full like full swirly we're just shut up nerd um because here's the thing yeah i think it's better than cat in the brain okay so gremlins 2 so the reason why it, it is better than cat in the brain is cat in the brain is a special effects demo reel mm-hmm. but there's no through line it's just fulci saying what a big perv am i look at me i'm a dirty this boy. is literally the beginning shot of the movie ties to the ending shot and it is yeah. this meditation on how one shitty choice leads down this path and you know good conquers Evil conquers good, but good can fight back against evil. And, right. I mean, literally, the first scene is a black magician saying, Hey, did you know that I practice black magic and steal <laughs> um, corpses? Here's my business card. And the end of the movie is, I'm glad you came to see me now. Uh, let's fuck shit up. Right. And it, it connects in a way that, yeah, actually makes kind of, even for all of the shit the bed insanity of this movie, there's coherence there. Now, what's more coherent? Gremlins 2 or Seating of a Ghost? <sighs> Both of them special effects showcases. Um, I'm th- going to say the design is better in seating of a ghost just because it is like some kind of hr geiger meets lovecraft meets uh michael's craft store Uh, yep the the foamy mouth which is basically just like i think that it looks like that cotton you buy when you like when you have one of those snow winter dioramas and like here's the popcorn factory and here's oh the, yeah the ice skating rink it's that like white shit that you just use as your fake snow right like but the stuff they, on the top of a, an aspirin bottle yeah yeah it's that is in the mouth of this creature yeah and with gremlins too now here's the thing here's the reason i would put uh seating of a ghost above gremlins too um, the creature design in Gremlins 2, frequently I was able to smug, like, be, like, smugly nod and go, heh, there's the vegetable gremlin. Um, I, there was no smug nodding with Seating of a Ghost, it was mostly me screaming, what the fuck is that? Yeah, um, yeah, and I think there's something to a creature that you cannot articulate into words. Yeah, it, that, that puts it, that, I, I think that's one of the reasons that, like, this movie works for me is because of how much I screamed because of what was on my screen. Yeah, yeah. So, does that make it better than Maniac? Because I think Maniac's best points are when you can't explain why he's doing what he's doing. Um, I honestly, uh, I feel like for me, Maniac, I would put it, uh, honestly, if it were, I would put it slightly above uh, Seating of a Ghost, purely because I feel like Maniac kind of is more brooding and kind of marinates on a thing a little bit more where this one is all over the fucking place maniac is one thing and it focuses on that one thing all the way through 
Definitely. This feels like studio execs saying, well, you gotta have sex, and you gotta have a fight scene, a fight and scene. you gotta have unbuttoned shirts to the navel, and you gotta have <laughs> young street toughs in a Ferrari, and you gotta have this, and you wait, gotta where are have all the ghosts? fucked up black magic ghosts. <laughs> yeah, so. wait, I, I, uh, I don't see any ghosts fucking a corpse, so you're gonna want to put that in there? Man. So... That would make number 53 seating of a ghost. You know, I feel really good about that. Even if you only see it once, uh, this is one of those movies that I think you have to buy on DVD. Uh, but if you don't mind this hanging out in your house, it's worth <laughs> the... I'm, I'm kind of glad I shelled out the 13 bucks for this. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. I can sell it. And then I'm like, no, I really can't. This is one of those movies that, uh, Quincy, um, you having uh, having kids, this is going to be one of those movies you're going to put very high up on the shelf. Yes, yes. It is right now on the shelf behind. It's it's like <laughs> behind stuff on my shelf. It's, it's the second row back. Yep. But this is... I feel like I can't not keep it. Because you want it. There's going to be some sad, weird Tuesday afternoon where you're hanging out and you're like, you know, I really just want to see that third act. Yeah, I really want to see the wizard battle and then the <laughs> creature explode out of a woman. Right. That's, it's just, you know, we, 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 we do what we can to get through those dreary Tuesdays. So yeah, so coming in at number 53, Seating of a Ghost. Oh man, that's way higher than I thought it would be. But it's <laughs> so good. Oh, especially when I was watching it and like I hadn't gotten to the good part yet, and I was just like, "Fuck, oh, I fucking hate this movie." And then uh, just the slowly dawning comprehension of like, "Oh no, this is great, actually." Yeah, um, Emily was like, "You better apologize to Ryan for making him watch this <laughs> porno." And I'm like, "I swear oh, it's bless. not a porno." And it's like, yeah, it, "It looks like one." Yeah. Uh, so this week, our podcast is brought to you by another podcast called Smark of the Beast. Uh, this is a, if you like our podcast, uh, Smark of the Beast is the same thing with wrestling, where they're literally ranking everything in wrestling, I believe, until they get to 666 items. Beautiful. And obviously, if you're listening to our podcast, there is a uh, better than uh, even chance that you are also a fan of pro wrestling. And actually, if you're not a fan of pro wrestling and you're still listening to this podcast, I'd like to personally apologize to you for talking about wrestling so much. It's gotten to the point where we're sneaking in references to the point where we think that they make sense. Oh, like a, like a Sonata bat when we're talking <clears throat> yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's untenable. Yeah, but Smark so, of the Beast is fantastic. Yes. Uh, so Matt Fisher and Matt Wilson co-host. It's really great. They're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. That's Smark, S-M-A-R-K, of the Beast. Uh, go find them and listen to them. They're super great. Yeah, both of whom former guests on this very podcast. Quincy, where yes. can our listeners find us online? They can find us at a bevy of locations. You can find us on Tumblr, rankandvile.tumblr.com. We're at rankandvile on Instagram. We're at rankandvilecast on Twitter. If you would like to request a movie, uh, hit us up on our Tumblr ask box or send us an email at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. If you would like to advertise with us, that's a great place to advertise with us. 
Um, if you have a movie, you uh, if you're a filmmaker and you want us to review your movie, um, it can join the ranks of Seeding of a Ghost and uh, others. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also several others. And again, uh, if you um, send us your movie, there's a good chance that you know you can make a sticker for your DVD cover that says, like, better than Taste the Blood of Dracula. We literally have a graphic uh, that our good friend uh kyle made that says rankin vile approved better than sleepaway camp i <laughs> all i want is for someone to actually put it on their video that they sell to people yeah which uh, also so because hit me up if you want that to be you um also this week we're brought to you by turnbuckle titans turnbuckle titans are a t-shirt company uh that do guess what deathmatch pro wrestling shirts uh, their new shirt is a Mr. Pogo t-shirt that glows in the dark. Um, oh, yeah. And they're giving out uh, free shipping uh, if you use code RANKANDVILE at turnbuckletitans.bigcartel.com. Yep, and I believe uh, that should be it. Have a good week, guys. Be safe and don't um, fuck ghosts. That, don't fuck ghosts. You're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> no, no, listen. Don't, <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're keeping this in. Don't fuck ghosts. And if you're an Uber driver... And a guy gets in the car and he's like, I fucks with black magic, and he's describing digging up bodies. Maybe check him out, see what he does. Um, he's a young professional just trying to apply his trade. And uh, in this workaday world, and we're all just trying to make it work. So No, up. no, listen. If there's anything <laughs> I have said for every episode of this show, it's don't fuck around with the supernatural. Yeah. Ouija boards black magic fucking tarot cards all that slender man all that shit just don't fuck with it you yeah. know it's probably not real but why do you want to take not, a chance though yeah yeah you know the mothman you know who knows there's currently that bat dude in chicago like <laughs> right. stay oh, safe yeah. out there it yes might stay, be it's... bullshit but it might not be bullshit so we'll leave the podcast on that note stay safe from the bat of chicago don't think it, don't say it. Bye-bye, man. <laughs> Later, folks. <laughs>